right, and we are starting for the I don't know how many time. <laughs> this is the real time. We will be doing the intro now. Um, welcome to our podcast, which is we read all of the queer books, but the disclaimers are they have to be fun, meaning not too fucking depressing, slash real. They have so to be- a lot of sci-fi and fantasy. Yeah, a lot of sci-fi fantasy. But we're perfectly happy to read real-life ones as long as they're fluffy mm-hmm. enough. And they can't have gratuitous violence, and they need to be AFAB slash non-binary Main heavy. Character. Yeah. yeah. And my name is Baz. I use they, he pronouns. And I'm Liz, and I use she, her pronouns. This is our first podcast. We did not prepare the beginning or end because we weren't actually sure we were going to do this. It seems like we are. So, welcome to... Anyone who's actually listening to this, and we want to give the disclaimer of we do spoiler free for a gap until there's music, and then we'll start doing spoilers. So when you hear drums, if you don't want spoilers, you should stop listening. Also, and this time we're reading Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Meir. Yes, exactly what I was gonna say. So I would say, as a general overview without spoilers, is it's an LGBTQ, but mostly just lesbians and then straight people, <laughs> um, mystery novel with... Like, space uh, opera sci-fi... Necromancers. Ne- necromancers. But, like, it's much more of a whodunit mystery than mm-hmm. I was prepared for. That's not what I thought it was going in at no, all. No, me neither. Because people just say... Oh, it's necro lesbian necromancers in space. That's what everyone says. And I'm like, they're still they end up on a planet. Like <laughs> I mean, technically they're in space, but they're in space the way we are in space, which is that <laughs> we're on a floating rock. Like the space part doesn't really come yeah. into it. They literally just fly from one planet to the other. Otherwise they're they're on planets. They're not in right. space. Like, they live in a space empire. But right. like, yeah, but it's, it takes place almost entirely on one planet. <laughs> like, I thought that was a little much. I but did, yeah. too. Everyone does describe it that way, and then that's not really, like, it's quite what it is. It's not accurate. I mean, it is, but only in the vaguest sense. It also, I think, has a lot of, like, gothic horror elements in it. Because yes. they're, like... Right, like exploring this like really kind of creepy old house that all you know the murder mystery and other mysteries right. are occurring in, and there's like so so much like creepy thriller tension at first, mm-hmm. but also that's like cut into by Gideon just being bored out of her <laughs> fucking mind. So even though it's like weirdly super dark, it's also weirdly super funny. Yeah. Also, it's a book with lesbians, but no actual romance, (laughs) so that's always something to keep in mind. Someone pointed Mm -hmm. that out, and I was like, that is very true. There are quite a number of lesbians, but um, they don't actually do anything There's, like, a lot of tension. Like, it's not even sexual tension. It's, like, romantic tension, I feel like, more, but yeah. So the two main characters, (laughs) just say, so Gideon, who's, like, a, like, really good, like, swords like sword fighter um i was gonna say swords person as like a gender neutral swordsman there she is a girl <laughs> i know so I she's know. a swordswoman <laughs> that, yeah no, she's she not is. non-binary <laughs> there aren't any non-binary no, characters um so gideon is living in um like the ninth house which is one of the like big space empire houses and the kind of like 
I don't want to call Hera, like, a princess, but, like, that's sort of what she is? Like, the... Yeah, I mean, in the hierarchy that we like to go by, she's the princess. Her parents are the king and queen of the planet, and she's next in line. And she's, I mean, yeah, she's not at all what you would think when you come across the word princess, because that's not the way things are characterized. And they also don't use the word princess. She's... The reverend daughter. Yeah, like... (laughs) It's a weird religious hierarchy thing, but, yeah, um, and they have to work together, but they do not oh, like they each hate, other. they've hated each other, like, since childhood they, and fight yeah, constantly. they're, like, childhood rivals. Uh, also the only two children on the planet, though, so, you know, <laughs> I guess there weren't that many options for them anyways. She's, Harrow's in the position of power, in charge of Gideon, and Gideon makes horrible puns. It's my favorite. And is a useless lesbian <laughs> and a wonderful swordswoman. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good description. And Hero oh. is a grim little snake like creature. She's like a like Ravenclaw Slytherin yeah. like alpha mix, I feel like. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's great. She has a very dry well, she doesn't have a sense of humor. She has no. a sense of witty, horrible things that she can say, <laughs> and I love it. But oh, it's she's so not mean. Funny. Yeah. I mean, it is funny. <laughs> Just I would feel bad in real life, but it's very funny in the book. Um. Yeah. And so they have to go and. Well, they're going to do a trial, but it ends up being a mystery, and I yeah. think that's all we're gonna like say. The emperor basically says do these trials for me, and then Gideon has to be Harrow's bodyguard, essentially. Yeah, Yeah, and it's funny, and... Horrifying. Horrifying. It is horrifying, and it's very wordy, that Mm -hmm. I will definitely say. And it's so nice to listen to the audiobook, because she separates the... (laughs) the characters with, like, accents and stuff, so they're easier to tell apart. So I would say it's very wordy, but, like, it's... It's so much fun, but you do have to kind of get into it. Yeah, definitely. I think the first, like, chapter, I was like, this is okay, but it's not amazing. And then, right, like, I feel like three chapters down the line, you know, I was like, Like, it was soon, but it wasn't right away. Because the first time I tried to read it, I got about two chapters in and I gave up. I think the language is really cool because she uses, like, slang and, like, kind of archaic language at the same time. Um... And, but she's very good about explaining it. You don't get lost very easily, unlike other times I've read, like, mm-hmm. sci-fi things where they're making shit up, and you're like, okay, but what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I think that, like, the magic, right, like, because we're kind of seeing things by Gideon's point of view, even though it's third person, so you kind of understand as much as Gideon does about necromancy, right. which is, like, she can raise skeletons. <laughs> I don't know how, <laughs> but, like, you don't need to know how. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I like that. Yeah, because it's just, like... Like, I mean, let's be honest, like, most of us reading this don't like that much dramatic science, like, we're reading this to get away mm-hmm. from that. <laughs> so it's more like, yep, we're just gonna swing a sword around and mock the people around us, and That's that great. is very much my vibe. It will also definitely make you cry if you're a book crier oh, like I am. Fuck, I yes. don't know. Do you cry? I feel like you I just do. cried I while watching Fruits Basket, which <laughs> I I've seen 
15 times. I thought you were, but I feel like some people don't cry during books just because it's like you're not oh, seeing the people my cry. God. Liz, I literally have told you I go through depressive episodes because of characters. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how you thought I managed I to just... not cry while I was dying inside. No, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I cry in this book every so time several things happen. Yes. <laughs> we'll just go. No, it'll make you feel a full range of emotions, and we love it and are obsessed with it. Apparently. <laughs> I've now dyed my hair orange so that I can so paint my face and be like Gideon. Like what you actually did, and it was amazing. Yeah. I bought new face paint, too, so I'm going to do it again. Yes. Someday <clears throat> I will cosplay as Hero with you. Yeah. So spoilers. so spoilers, yeah. Where where do you even want to start with that? Like what? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. Well, so I'll say rereading it is really cool because there's so much foreshadowing, right? Like every single thing Dulcinea says, I'm like, bitch, you're a lictor. <laughs> like it's so it's so good because it's like really subtle. But then when you read it, you can just see everything. Ha ha ha! I'm She's evil in her a head. Smug little bitch. Right. And it's just like, oh my god, like why, oh my god, she's so creepy, and it's like, and she just finds Griddle so cute, and she's just like treating her like a puppy, Uh like straight up, just like, oh my god, come play with me. Yeah, there's so much foreshadowing in the book. There's so much foreshadowing. Holy shit. It like, it makes you feel a little dumb the second time, I feel like. But I do think... It was just, like, plotted so well to give you, like, a lot of red herrings and really distract you. And, like, she did that thing where it just really does seem like Dulcinea is the person who, like, the only person who can't have done it, right? Like She really sets it up quite well to be like, oh, like, this is the only person you can trust. And, like, you can't even trust Harrow because she mm -hmm. is an evil... crazy bitch, which she kind of is, but she's our evil crazy bitch, so it's okay. Um, (laughs) But, like, yeah, that threw me. I definitely, the first time. And then the second time, you're like, why did that throw me? Which is really funny, because that's, like, fucking Harrow, or Gideon and Harrow's kind of, like, interaction in some way. Because, like, Gideon ends up being, like, so upset about being wrong and Harold's kind of like mm, I kind of saw that coming <laughs> and you're just like Harold also suspects everyone all the time I know but she <laughs> suspected her right away because That's of true. the guy the cavalier yeah. the dead cavalier and it's just like Harold you could have told anyone oh my god I mean at least get like why why did she bring Gideon if she wasn't gonna speak to her? Because it would have been improper to I not mean, bring a cat. Oh my god, she's so frustrating. Yeah. And then she's so depressing, you forgive her instantly. Yeah. But she is so Definitely so frustrating. Like 50% of the mystery is just Harold not telling Gideon yes. anything. Oh yeah. That's actually kind of the funniest part, though, is when you find out that the reason this has been such a big mystery is just because Gideon doesn't know shit, <laughs> <laughs> and actually, the other main character knew 
all of it <laughs> the whole time, basically, and is only surprised by, like, one piece of information the whole time. And because you were told it from the point of view of the moron of the book, <laughs> you had to slowly figure it out. But it, you're right, it's not even a mystery novel, because it's only a mystery to Griddle, because Griddle's There's dumb. Like- one or two true mysteries and everything else Harrow knows from the start. Um, I love the parts where Harrow is so uncomfortable, like at the party, yeah. where Gideon's like, this is amazing, I'm eating dessert, and Harrow is fucking so scared and has so much social anxiety right now. Yeah, it's very funny to watch Harrow get her comeuppance in the, like, funniest, kind of kindest way she could get comeuppance for the horrible things she's like done. Like Gideon hugging her. <laughs> Don't well, make it just weird like, now. <laughs> sitting uncomfortably at the table, like not speaking to anyone, while Gideon just eats everything in sight. I think my favorite thing about that scene is when Magnus is like, I have, you know, a question for you. What do Gideon the Ninth and, you yes. know, like whatever the whatever all have in common? I you mean, know, all he the started Cavaliers. With two, yeah. not nine, but yes. Right. <laughs> I don't think I can name them all. <laughs> well, Marta. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, <laughs> yeah. nine. There you go. Sure. You can tell them by their nicknames. <laughs> um, what do they have in common? Their middle names are all the. And Gideon is like, that was amazing. And everyone else. I think Corona no, laughs. Corona yeah. is. Corona, corona laughs. laughs so hard. She's either spits out drink or is, is like slapping her. <laughs> Her, thing, her knee, and then Gideon is like trying not to laugh because she's still supposed to be fucking silent, <laughs> and she's just like enjoying it way too much. And Harold's just like, "Get me away from this fucking crazy." <laughs> Everyone people. else just thinks Magnus is just like the worst dad, which oh he kind God. of is in the best and way. The fucking teens, I love. I so love... First of all, why does she hate the teens from the beginning? Like, why does she have it out for them? Why does Gideon? Yeah. I don't think she actually does. No, I know she doesn't... That's my point. Like, I know she's not... Oh, why doesn't she hate them? No, but she says... She calls them the horrid teens from the first moment she sees them. Like, she complains about them and calls them the awful teens all the time. The teens didn't do shit to her. I what think, is her problem? So, uh, what I think that is... Because when I first read it, I was also like, why doesn't Gideon like these children? Right. I think it's that she's just saying they're just, like, they so, like, I encompass. think she feels bad for them. They so encompass, like, being a teenager that they're hard to look at. Right. Like, they're covered in acne and wearing, like, too much makeup and just, like, being, like, awkward, right. you know? Oh, my God. But she's so funny. And then she's so so reluctantly adopts them. Like, she tried so hard not to. And then they're just, like, stuck their grubby little teen hands on her, and she's like, fuck, they're mine now. I think John marie is just so, like, well, she's like Gideon, right? Like, she's, right. like, such Gideon a cat. Gideon definitely and, sees yeah. herself in her. Which I think makes that's, that all so much more heartbreaking. I think that's the second saddest thing in the book, right, after Gideon dying is John marie dying and Gideon just, like, blaming herself so hard for it. And yeah. Harrow, again, not communicating, so Gideon thinks that Harrow blames her. Um, I, I love the whole, like, crux and... How do you pronounce the swordswoman's name? Oh, I... I've learned, I've kind of learned from the audiobook. It's like Aglame. Oh, yeah. Agliame? Agliame? Yeah. Something like that. 
I, <laughs> they're so funny. <laughs> and, like, they're foils of each other in the ways that are just, like, perfect little tropes of this, like, evil-tempered old man. <laughs> and then this, like, stoic, evil-tempered <laughs> old woman. And it's oh, so funny. It's great. I'm like, no wonder they are the way they are. Like, Harrow and Gideon were raised by these two and the creepy three nuns, and that's it. <laughs> and since her parents are dead, like, shh. Like, oh, they man. were fucking, they were not raised. They're monsters. No. <laughs> like, you know why they are the way, they're like, they turn out great for how they were not raised. <laughs> yeah, that is fair, actually. Um, I love in the audiobook, I feel like the way she gives crux makes me think of, like, Golem. Yeah. <laughs> he just, he sounds like he's just, like, creeping around, stealing people's rings and stuff. And but he's, like, murder. big and bulky. Yeah. And so I just, like, have this kind of cartoonish picture in my head of this, like, big, stupid, broken <laughs> thing that's all, like, crunched over but still big. And it's just, like, so horrifying. The descriptions of that house, oh my god, all the skeletons and, like, what, 40, fuck, 40 <laughs> old people? Uh-huh. And then, like, I love during the service that Gideon has to go to, like, an old person gets really excited and dies, <laughs> and then she looks at Harrow, and she sees Harrow's calculating, shit, that's one less, we have so few people. <laughs> but the best part of that scene to me is the fact that they bring the skeletons to mass. Why do they bring the skeletons to mass? <laughs> they, they're not alive. Like, why are they filling the pews? Why can't they keep working? They're not, they're, they aren't comprehending what you're telling them. Yeah, like, I didn't even think about that. Oh my god, it bothers me slash that's makes really me laugh funny. every time. Because Gideon makes that little comment that's like, and then all the other pews are filled with skeletons. And I'm like, why, though? I'm like, so hashtag you... creepy? Like, is that what you're going for? I'm glad you pointed that out. I've never thought about that. That's so weird. I mean, maybe it's just because, like, death is part of their religion? But, like, so did they just decide to fill out the pews with skeletons so, like, when there were more people, the skeletons weren't there? Or were all of these <laughs> skeletons just crowding in when there were alive people? Okay, we have to email Tams and Mir, because I kind of feel like maybe she would answer us, because this is a really good question. I mean, fair. Yeah, I mean, I forgot, actually, some of the quotes from it that are, like, so good, and then I was just on Etsy looking at stuff, and there was one that was the... When Harrow's like, I can't imagine a universe without you. I'm undone without you. Like, it's so bad. (sighs) It's so painful. Oh my god, it makes me want to die. The TikTok you sent me that was someone, like, walking in on someone else reading the end, and she was just rocking back and forth, crying, being like, this is a stupid book, I hate this book. And it's like, yep, that's 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 how it goes. That's so accurate. And, like... Oh my god, reading it the second time, like, isn't better. Like, it is, but it isn't, it's really, oh my god, it's just so painful. And I think, like, I feel like Harrow should make it better, but I feel like reading Harrow made it worse, because you just really get... You get how fucking wrecked she is. Oh, it's so bad. Like, she's nothing without Gretel. Because it's, I think, (sighs) right, it's like you were saying, you know, they were, like, the only kids growing up, so they were, like, kind of... They ended up being 
I basically the only people. Right. Like, like yes, they were the only kids, but on top of that, like, it's not like Harold was going to be allowed to, like, interact with the populace of people. Like, the only people Harold, Harold interacts with is the, like, people in her family and those three nuns. And there's only two people in her family. The three nuns and then Crux and... Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and, uh... Oh, shit, what's the, the guy who's supposed to be Cavalier called? Well, that's why I said her the aunt and her son. Yeah. Because I don't remember. Because what's his name? It, it's replaced... He, he replaces Gideon. Yeah. Oh, God, <clears throat> I don't remember now. Do we care? I don't know. A little bit. It's just bothering me. <laughs> well, then Google it. Like, it's not that hard to find out. But... Oh my god. Harrow. No. Focus. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no Harrow spoilers. Um, um, uh, yeah, oh no, I was just, so the relationship, right? Because it's right. like, they were like, like, I think that's really accurate. They were just like the only real people in so many ways for each other. So they're just like, obsessed with each other, right? In a way that's like, you know, has like a lot of hate, but also has like, a lot of like, love and like I mean tension it's and toxic friendship and love. yeah because it's, it's definitely not healthy it's like all consuming because you have nothing else right and like they also share like a terrible secret and that like binds them together they're trauma bonded definitely and then they trauma bonded even more as they literally spent their childhood traumatizing each other like regularly like what the fuck guys and I feel like I feel like Gideon might have made like friends more at the uh, at Canaan House, you know, if Harrow hadn't been like you're not allowed to talk now. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, with everything that happens, it wouldn't change shit though. No, they all die. <laughs> I just want Gideon to have friends. I know, but she can't. It's <sighs> not. That's not allowed. Yeah. <laughs> like it's. Oh my god, it's so bad. What's your favorite scene? My favorite scene? Oh god. I... Oh, fuck. Probably when they, like, Harold and Gideon finally talk. Like in the salt pool? Yeah, and yeah. when they, like, really connect. And then, like, you finally, like, see... The, the reasons behind what was going on, and you get, like, all that information, like, you just finally, like, feel their relationship for the first time, because, mm -hmm. like, it was all from Gideon's point of view, basically, and, like, Gideon didn't want to let herself feel those things, because it was toxic, and because she wanted to get away, and, like, watching them finally, like, be who they should be together is just like so cool and I don't know I love them yeah mine's I mean that's my favorite too I think too because you're also you're seeing like the Cav Nucro relationships through the whole book and Gideon's seeing them right and she's right. being she's kind of understanding what that relationship is supposed to be right and then like she kind of like finally <laughs> has that you know like right. and then she dies more sad forever. I mean, I believe in her. She will come back. I believe in her. Yeah, I do too. I, I believed in her. The, I'm like, the first time, I was like, no. No. 
No. We refuse. You, I, I refuse. I, you're full of shit. I will ignore the ending until we fix it. It's basically... Tamsinmere, if that yeah. is your real name. So, yeah. And, yes. and I, I still believe. Um, oh, yeah. I was, um, was going to say, so, right, like, I think the book did that thing where, like, sexuality is just like, or, like, you know, sexual preference is just like... Nobody cares. Yeah, it's nobody just like cares. they're gay. I'm pretty sure in the afterwards, <clears throat> where you like get the little profiles of people, you learn that Isaac is uh, engaged to a dude back home, and it's just like I don't think anyone like the 14 year old. Yeah, because they're like I think it's you know an arranged marriage oh. thing. I think like in that way, right? Since they're both like the I was heirs like, of their he's house. 14. Oh no, <laughs> not like actively engaged, like, like passively engaged. That's so <laughs> fucking weird. Um. Yeah, so I think, right, they did, it's, I feel like it's kind of the same thing with gender, where it's just, like, no one's, It just like, doesn't matter. There just aren't really roles, right? No one really cares well, about any of that. Well, the roles are about power. Right. And gender means nothing. Like, like power, gender and sexuality it, it, aren't a thing, really. Yeah, it's, like, not, I mean, also, they all got, like, ruined, and then he rebuilt them all. Like, I don't think there were that many of them. Like, I know the ninth house was, like, dying severely, but, like, they made it sound like there weren't that many in each house. I I feel like that was one of the things where I never had a good sense how many, yeah. like, how big the empire was. And, you yeah. know, you never really find out in Gideon, right, who they're, like, fighting. Right. And then in Harrow, you, like, kind of do, but you still kind of, like, don't exactly... Hmm. But they don't explain that that much. Because, again, Gideon doesn't care. Right. <laughs> like, Gideon is like, please let me go murder bitches. Gideon doesn't care who they yeah, are. She just wants G- to get out of my house. <laughs> like, it's, you know, it, it's pretty straightforward. I think it's really impressive that I think I, the first time I read the book, I wasn't even like, wait, who is the space emperor fighting? Right. Like the second read through, I was finally like, she never actually yep. gives us like much information. Nope. But you just don't care because, right, the characters and mystery is so engaging. And I think that's cool is that it's like she sometimes in sci fi, especially, they like to delve into all of the pieces, all of mm-hmm. the background. And it makes the first book so lore heavy that it can be kind of kind of boring or distracting Mm -hmm. and so in this one like she gives you enough like because sometimes then they go on the other end and they give you like no information and you're like what the fuck (laughs) so it's like she gives you enough to just not care about the rest of it and then she unfolds the rest as it's needed and I appreciate that yeah no definitely definitely well I think if it was as wordy as it was and it was like it would build all the lore. lore it, it wouldn't be like I don't think we would have liked it as much. Ortis. Definitely. Ortis. Thank you. God damn it! That was bothering me. No. I, <sighs> I love that you did nothing about the fact. Well, that it was I left bothering. my phone downstairs. Oh my god! <laughs> so lazy. A reason. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, I feel like too. She does, like, the good thing where, like, you know, some books will, like, gradually introduce the sci-fi concepts just through, like, all the different houses, right? Kind of, like, right. learning what they can all do with necromancy. Right. Um, yeah. So you just don't really understand how it works, but it's, like, you don't have to, right? You know right. what houses can do. Well, and it's, like, 
I mean, it's science for them. Like, it's not, like, inexplicable magic. It's, mm-hmm. like, math and science-based stuff where it's just, like, at some point, like, A, obviously it wouldn't make sense because it's not real. But also, B, like, <laughs> it wouldn't make sense to a lot of us because it's, like, very detailed in, like, physics and, like, all of, like, biology and all of that stuff. That, like, we don't fucking know. Yeah. Like, and we don't, uh, most of us don't care to. Yeah, I think Gideon, right, is, like, her perspective, which is, like, God, there's a really good line when teachers first talking to them, and Gideon's, like, oh, no, is he gonna say that we have to take Dr. Skellybones classes or something like that? Yeah, it's, like, Dr. Skellybones at nine, and then reading in the library at ten, and then all of these other things, and then she's, like, the best I can hope for is swords too. <laughs> and I'm like, are you in high school? Uh, and then <laughs> teachers just like, don't open doors that are <laughs> locked. And they're like, what? <laughs> like, that's the one of the funniest parts is that when she remarks on looking at everyone's faces to see how they reacted, and you're just like. <laughs> No one knows what's happening. And then they're like, teacher, how do we become lictors? And he's like, I don't know. That's why you're here to figure it out. I would be a lictor if I knew how to do it. Oh, my God. But he's not even a fucking person. No, he's like an amalgamation a of, of a thousand souls. And then, like, all the other, like, teacher people there are The monks also are him? also him. Yeah. So all of those souls. It's weird. It was, like, over a thousand souls or something were stuffed into that one body. And, but also, the souls were in the skeletons, so that's why they could behave so well, so I don't, I don't know how Just a lot of souls flying around. I don't know how Don't worry about it. And I think that's the thing, is that I think some people might be frustrated by things not completely making sense, but I just feel like with fantasy and sci-fi, you have to have a certain level of just letting it go and letting it be what it is. Because, yeah, of course it's not going to scientifically exactly make sense. Because otherwise, why wouldn't it exist? (laughs) Like, in what way does that even make sense? But, like, she gives you enough to go Mm -hmm. on. And you have that just acceptance. I think also because it's coming from their points of view. Yeah. And they believe in it, just just like we said about, like, sexuality not mattering. Like, it's just, like... Those things don't matter. Yeah. I mean, the dialogue is so good, right? And, like, it just se- I'll feel so real and convincing in the world that right. it's really lived in. I do. I have a friend who really, like, loves world building and lore is his favorite thing. And he read Gideon, and he was like, yeah, I liked it, but it wasn't my favorite, which I think, right, makes sense, because it, like... Has he read Harrow? He hasn't. I would be interested to see what he too. thinks of how they go from there. Because they do yeah. a lot more... Harrow, I feel like, is much heavier on lore. Yes, definitely. Because it's all this backstory. Which is, I think, why it feels... So, it's like feels like a heavy book. It does. Whereas Gideon is, is much fluffier, which is a funny thing to say <laughs> with all the murder and the death because and Gideon's the so abuse and the trauma. <laughs> Like, Gideon, right, she's, like, dealing with it all through being, like, ridiculous and, like, funny and making puns and stabbing things. And then Harrow is just fucking sad. Licked her. How? I hardly know her. <laughs> that was an Etsy sticker with a picture of Gideon going, oh, no, that's great. Oh, my God. I was going to get that for you. I still might. Yes. <laughs> You'll probably forget about it. 
I will definitely forget about it. Maybe, I don't know, it's pretty funny. <laughs> I agree with Gideon that puns are funny automatically. Uh, oh my god. Yeah. And I, I do really appreciate the way that they do the other characters where now the dog's playing with the cat. Um, where they introduce them and but they take their time going into each one so you don't get info dumped. And so it's like the first time you meet all of them, all the names like one out one like mm-hmm. in one ear out the other because there's so many of them and they all have like three names. It's fucking annoying. But then like she introduces each person so specifically and it's always in relation to at least one other person and I feel like that helps yeah it's nice you... that the cats and echoes are usually together because <laughs> you right. can like remember them as a pair right and because they're like a very dis- each one is a very distinctive pair so even if one of them is kind of like not as distinctive you can like usually figure it mm-hmm. out but the first time, it was a little confusing for, I, like, half the book. I really appreciated having the, like, index of names at the beginning of my copy. Yeah, you went back and forth. I, I just barrel <laughs> through. I'm just like, fuck around, find out. We will figure out who that, who said that later. <laughs> I remember the first time I was reading it, I kept being, like, too, because I was like, oh, I want to remember, like, which e- like, what each house's thing is. But, you know, being like, this house is about fidelity, like, doesn't really tell you anything and I definitely is fidelity loyalty yeah I think (laughs) I'm pretty sure fidelity is loyalty maybe it's specifically loyalty to the crown actually Mm. but like I don't know I just like thought for some reason I felt like that was really important because it was like there was a poem about it and it was in the first thing and then I was like oh I just overthought that I did overthink that like it really didn't matter very much I it only mattered in the context of what the characters could do that affected the plot Mm -hmm. and that's again something that you just learned like piece by piece of the characters and so while the first time it was kind of confusing for like I feel like the first half of the book because then you know they start dying and then it becomes easy to remember who's who there's a lot less people around (laughs) a lot less names Um, but like like it was just somehow like worth the confusion the first time because it was so funny and so engaging but it's really nice the second and or third time to, like, really understand who everyone is. Because then also, anytime you see the sparks of their personality from afar before you meet them, you're like, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I like the other characters. feel like we didn't talk about them a lot. But honestly, like, I don't... I do really enjoy um, Harrow and Septimus's relationship, mm-hmm. actually. I love Camilla, too. Um, well, yeah. Ca- I love Camilla, and I love the relationship with Camilla and Septimus. But Sex then, pal, as we call him. <laughs> oh, my God. But I just, I also, I love Harrow finally basically having a friend for the first time. And hating that she has a friend so yeah. much. And it's like, Harrow's, like, put in that position to, like, be forced to acknowledge, like, two people that she cares about after she has refused to acknowledge that she cares about literally anyone her entire fucking life (laughs) and it's so cute Mm -hmm. and I just I really do appreciate that he 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 never changes how he treats anyone like he's he's so good and that's so refreshing like I feel like 
there aren't that many male characters that are just that honest about things. I feel like there's, like, not, like, a trace of toxic masculinity on him for the most part. No, really, maybe. Probably not at all. Not at all. Yeah. I mean, honestly, though, if you think about it, I don't know if any of them have toxic masculinity. Oh, what's his name does? Nibirius? But, no, he's just a narcissist. It's not because of her gender, though. That's true. Like, that's my point. no, you are right about that. I think that's actually, like, I didn't think about it, but when you said that, like, that's one of the things also that, like, I just love about the book, I think, is that... All of their personality clashes are real about their personalities. There is no racism. Well, there is racism. Because fucking eight hates the ninth because they are not supposed to exist and they're death worshippers. Yeah. I mean, there's like, yeah, interhouse kind of like so there's prejudice. Inter- yeah. It's not racism, no. So it's prejudice. Inter, yeah, inter-house prejudice. But that's not quite the same. And it, well, it's not the same. And it's not rooted in the things that, like, toxic masculinity or racism are. And it's, like, refreshing to just not have them there. Mm -hmm. And, like, really deal with, like, all of these other issues. And, like, like, I didn't even think about it. But even, like, the horrible men characters... They're horrible because they're horrible people. And that's so refreshing. I think he was definitely my favorite. Or the death I was least sad about. I was like, whatever, Yanthe, you go ahead and eat him. Like, oh my god. I don't really that give a shit about a hilarious, <laughs> though. Like, yo, it was just like, <laughs> you know this really obnoxious character? She ate him. <laughs> like, that it's is so the most that- badass, fucked up way to go. Oh. Like, oh, you want to know what happened? She ate him. <laughs> And her sister is sad she didn't eat her. Like, what yeah. the All fuck? the relationships are so complicated. And maybe partially right because she, like, has so much room to make them complicated, right? Because right. they're all rooted in, like, very much in the people. Yeah, they're just rooted in the people and the situations of the society, not all of this extra baggage from our society, which in so many sci-fi exists. And I get why they want there to be, like, the connection of those things. But honestly, it was really refreshing to just, like, not have those be issues. Yeah. I kind of like reading, like, a combo, I feel like. Like, sometimes I'm like, yeah, this is, like, really, really good, like, sci-fi about, like, you know, like, like racism and, like, gender. And sometimes right. it's like, I just want to fucking read about, you know, like, necromancers. Like, Right. So... In this episode, we talked about Gideon the Ninth. By it was our first podcast attempt, so we had did not introduce or end anything. <laughs> so we're just gonna say this now. If you listened, thanks. That's kind of hilarious. You must be one of us, and I would like to get to know you. <laughs> You're probably one of our friends. <laughs> you are probably you. ourselves because I laughed when I listened. To I mean, this. I've listened to us like five times. Oh my I god! Laughed every time. Oh my god! So yeah. Welcome to our friends, and if you are not one of our friends, you may want to be, and you should tell us.